the message I believe God laid on my heart for us for today. It is called the church. The church. We belong together. The church. We belong together. And I, I remember... Um, like when we went into lockdown here, if, you're, if those of us in New Zealand, we know about the lockdown August, we went back in lockdown again. The whole country, we had one person enter the country with Delta and the whole country was locked down. We're like, there's only one person. And now Delta's everywhere. <laughs> so, and then we came out of lockdown like in, in September. We're like, yeah, come on, halfway through September, great. We had two services in September. And then we went back into lockdown again. Parts of Waikato. Uh, went back into lockdown again, and then we're locked down again in October. November came around, and all of a sudden, we're like, yes, we're out of lockdown. We're two services again. And then this time, we decided, wasn't the government that mandated? Well, we decided to go online. Go online. And for many of us, people are like, what? Are you crazy? We've just been online for so long. Government mandated us to go online. Now we're choosing to go online. What's going on? What's, what's happening? And you're probably wondering, you know, I so miss being in the building, so miss being over here. Believe me, I have. I was utterly gutted, seriously, when we made this decision. Uh, I'm not sure if you realize how hard it is just to talk to a camera. feels kind of weird, like it doesn't even make eye, eye contact, but all I see is just one big eye, and it's weird. There's no smile, there's nothing. When I tell a joke, it doesn't laugh. So it's so good having real people. And, uh, and, <laughs> and here we are, back in line. Again, and so you're asking why are we online, and there's only one simple answer to that, and that's the the traffic light framework. And yet, well, it's pretty simple. Well, actually, it's not as simple as it is. As we begin to to um, speak to our Elam movement and and um, and head office and other churches and other movement, we realised there was a lot more moving parts. And so, in order for us to take our best step forward, it's for us to slow down and just to go online as we begin to navigate, because it's changing weekly. What we have to do changes weekly, like it's another thing, it's another thing, it's another, it changes, it's forever going, and we're like, you know what, government's mandated, we're going to make a decision, we're going to take, we're going to decide, and like us, like many other Elam churches across the country, and a lot of other movements, a lot of other churches have decided we're going to go online, and we're going to, we're going to regroup, we're going to, let's rebuild, and I, we kind of believe that God is taking us in a new direction, it's actually not a new direction. It's actually a direction that God has already, already had, in, had in place, and we're just kind of playing catch-up. See, God wasn't surprised. God wasn't surprised with the COVID pandemic that, that has taken over. He didn't catch him by surprise. In fact, God was not even surprised when Jacinda Ardern and all, and all those in the government came up with this traffic light framework. God was not surprised. He was not surprised. He, uh, he's always one step, 10 steps, 20 steps ahead of us. What do we need to do? We need to listen. And go, we'll say, God, where are you taking us? And I'm thinking to myself, where am I going? I need to get back to whatever I scribbled down on my iPad. It's an amazing iPad, and I've got to load it all up again because it's gone to sleep, as you do. And sometimes, I hope you're not sleeping wherever you are, and you're probably watching here, and, you, and, the, and I'm not sure if you can see what's below me. No, you can't because I can see the screen. But we've got, like, right in front of me, tins of baked beans. Then to, over here, I've got milk. We've got like pasta sauce, we've got noodles, we've got, it's all over the place, we've got biscuits. If, if I get hungry, I'll know where to go. But we've got, we're still packing boxes for family and ease, and that's, that's what we are doing. But here's the thing, you know, I was, um, and some churches are still open, and that's okay, that, that, that's fine if you, uh, it's open. In fact, one of the most simplest services that we can do is an open service, I meaning no vaccine pass. No vaccine pass is the simplest format. 
of it. It's, so, it's because it has less what we need to do. And, um, that, and that's still changing as we sow. And so that's fine. But it's, it's, but it's not as simple as it. I was talking to my father last week. And um, we put all away. We're on a retreat in Rotorua. We loved it. <laughs> and uh, my father rung me up. And he rung me up to cancel our Boxing Day family get-together. To cancel it. And um, for the last 30 plus years, I would, sp- I would spend Christmas with my mum. And then on Boxing Day, I would spend Boxing Day with my dad. And we would do, we've been doing this for over 30 years. Okay, I was only like two years old when we started doing this. Okay, maybe a bit older. But <laughs> it was, and we would do, we would always, always do this. So for the very first time, he's cancelling it. And I was like, what, 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 what are we cancelling it, Dad? And, and cause my dad, he's 79 years old. He's about to turn 80 in January. Here we go. Good on you, Dad. Well done. And but the thing is, he's immune compromised. And he has issues. He's... he's um, He's just, he's just recovered from melanoma and his, all his other things, and as you do, and, and, he, and so he, he's immune compromised, he's issues with his lungs, he's double vaccine shot, but he cannot, he cannot risk having someone in our family who are not all of us that will vax, double vax. And so, so he canceled, and I said, okay, Dad, I'll tell you, I understand, it's all good, I understand, you know, we, we want to celebrate you, we don't want to accidentally kill you, okay, so it's all good, we totally understand, but it's, this isn't the part of the story that I really wanted to share about, but then he went on to tell me, he, he, he lives in Clark's Beach, which is a little community on the way to Waiuku, if you're familiar with that, that area, and he goes to a little church, and he said to me, oh, because it's still part of the Auckland region, and says, oh, well, our church is doing an outside service, because we can gather up to 25 people with an outside service. And he goes, oh, but I can't go to it. I was going, oh, how come you can't go? He goes, well, it's because not everyone at our church is vaccinated. It's an open service, and I just can't be there. In fact, one of the, the, the head uh, theologians who teaches Bible, he can't be there even, so we can't go. And it got me thinking, even, so having an open service, because we can say, let's have an open service because we don't want to separate anybody. But any of, it's not as simple as that. Even having an open service, we're still... There are people who cannot go to it. We're still separating. All the word that's been the buzzword is segregation. Uh, it's still segregation by default. And so the reason why I say this is the complexity of the issue that's at hand. It's not as easy as that. And, and, and so this is the minefield we find ourselves. But let me tell you something. God is not surprised. He is not surprised about this one bit. It might be complex for us to try to get our head around this, to navigate this. Should we have an open service or should we have a vaccine pass service? Should we just do online? God was not surprised. And, and if, you, if, you're, if you're a believer of Jesus, come on, you can lean on him. He is your shepherd. He is who you put your trust in. So the first time when we come across this word church in our Bibles, the first time we hear this word church comes from out of the mouth of Jesus. So if you've got your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 16, verse 13. Here we go. Chapter 16, verse 13. It says this. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And this is a title that Jesus always referred to himself as the Son of Man. And when we finally get to Daniel 7, we can see why. But anyway, I'm diverting again. Who do people say that the Son of Man is? They replied. Some say John the Baptist. Others say Elijah. And still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you? He asks. Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah. The Mishak. I'm trying to speak Jewish now. 
flick the English. I've had enough time trying to speak English. You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades, the realm of the dead, where death reigns. And the gates of death, even death itself, will not overcome it. So this is the first time we, we come across this word church. And, church is, is, this is, and if you're reading a different language, if you're in a different language, this is not the word. In fact, Jesus didn't speak English. I don't know, but you might be surprised to know this, but Jesus didn't actually speak English. In fact, the original people who penned the writings of Jesus and record what Jesus said did not also write in English. But in our English words, it's where we get this word church. And this is where this word church comes from. Well, what's really amazing is that the church, if you're, and if you're uh, seated in a community, if you're, if you're here, you're, you're, you're part of our online community, Jesus predicted you. He predicted you're still here after 2,000 years ago when he first said it, that he will build his church and the gates of death, death itself, can never overcome it. Back in the time of Jesus, before there was the invention of cement that mixed with other stones and sand and made concrete, <laughs> before we had concrete and we can fashion it in the way we have, people would build their houses out of stone. And many people think, oh, Jesus was a carpenter. He was more likely like a stonemason. That was more what he was. And they would fashion stone. And so when they began to build houses or big buildings, they would chisel, chisel their their, their um, their stones out of, out of rock, and they'll try to make it as flat and smooth as possible. Now, they'll do this, and they'll do a whole bunch of them, little like massive bricks kind of design. they chisel them all out. And then what the builder would do, he would look for the straightest, the most level of all the stones, and this will become the foundation. He'll put it on the corner. It will become the cornerstone. And upon this cornerstone, the rest of the house will, will be built on. And, and because it was so straight, you got a straight line, and and for many people, if you know me, if you come along to this church, and, and people know that I'm obsessed with how straight our chairs need to be, okay? Uh, in fact, if you, I'm, the, I'm not really good if I'm sitting up chairs, and you're with me, sometimes I can, <laughs> I can be a nightmare because I'm like, actually, that's out of place. Actually, no, that's the wrong angle. And so, how I, so when I set up chairs in the auditorium, I set up a cornerstone. So it's, one, it's normally, right, if you're in a, normally right about there. The one chair, once I place that one chair, all the other chairs in the whole auditorium come off that one chair. And if that one chair is out, the whole chairs are out. And I call that the cornerstone. And people come in clipping their chairs and ah, don't move the cornerstone. Oh, you moved it. Now I've got to realign it. And they're like, it's just a chair. And for me, it's like, it's not just a chair. I know people are coming. They're going to be sitting in our service. I'm going to make sure they can, they can you know, I, you know I, I'm a, I've got my chair theology down to a T. Okay, it's crazy. But it's the cornerstone in, in this. And so when Jesus began to say, he said, Peter, you are Peter. And upon this rock, the, the listeners of the time will begin to understand Jesus is talking about the cornerstone. In fact, it's a play on Peter's name. Peter's name means stone. And he takes this word stone and, he's, and he takes his, his listeners and, he, and, he, and he's, he's heading them in a, in a direction to this Peter, but upon this rock. And they're thinking, it's a cornerstone. The cornerstone. 
upon this cornerstone. Upon this cornerstone, I will build my church. Jesus is saying that this cornerstone, this cornerstone cannot be moved. Nothing can move the stone. Death can't, nothing can't, because I am the cornerstone. And I will build my church on me, says the Lord. And this is what Jesus does. He sets the cornerstone. You are Peter upon this rock, this cornerstone, who is me. I will build this church. And nothing, nothing can stop it. No government mandates, no traffic light system. Nothing can stop the church of God, the cornerstone. And this is what Jesus, this is as he begins, and he begins to say this. And this is what, so for early Early listeners are hearing Jesus. They're like, oh, he's talking about the cornerstone. He's this, he's, Jesus is the cornerstone. Because Jesus said, upon this declaration, I will build my church. The cornerstone of my church is me. But there's something else that we miss as we begin to read this passage in our Bibles and our English translations. Some other things we miss is, is, this, is the word that Jesus used for church. The original word that Jesus, the original writing of this as, as they began to pen this was, was Greek. And the word for church is, in Greek is the actual word ecclesia. Ecclesia. This is what the word says. Jesus said, I will build my ecclesia. And I'm going to be the cornerstone of this ecclesia. I am building this ecclesia. And ecclesia in simple terms means the called out ones. That's what it means, ecclesia. And ecclesia is not even a religious term. In fact, they always say, well, there's an ecclesia, we're calling people to, 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 calling them out. We're having an ecclesia to form an army, or what, it, was, it was a called out once for a purpose. This is our purpose of the ecclesia. And Jesus said, I'm, I'm forming my own ecclesia, my own gathering. I'm, and, and this gathering is going to be founded on me. <laughs> that my gathering, my ecclesia, is going to be founded on me. So it's called a people. This is what it means, and, and this is where we get this word, Ecclesia. It was not about a specific place, but it was about people. It was about specific purpose. This word was about, it wasn't referred to as a, a specific location, but it, was caught, but it was meant, it was caught up for people. Jesus' Ecclesia is not a place. Jesus' Ecclesia is not a building, but Jesus' Ecclesia were people that he had called. And if you've been called by Jesus, you are his Ecclesia, and he is your cornerstone. You are who you are built upon. And he's called you for such a time as this. Because we need to understand something. After 2,000 years, the Ecclesia is still here. Back when Jesus was crucified and he rose again, the, the, Israelite, the, the Jews at that time were under persecution by Rome. In fact, Rome began to persecute Christians. As this movement began to spread, here we are 2,000 years later. The Roman Empire is not here, but the church is still here. The ecclesia is still here. You know why? It's because this gathering, this movement, this ecclesia was built upon Jesus. And it was led by men and women who saw Jesus uh, resurrected from the dead. They saw with their own eyes. And, and, and and, uh, they began, and the Romans began to persecute the, the Christians, say, hey, you know, you need to worship Caesar as God. And they said, no, we will not do that because we have seen with our eyes. And Jesus is that cornerstone. When he said that, not even death can overcome him. He overcame death. In fact, Jesus has the keys to death, the keys of Hades. He's got that. He overcame it. 
And if Jesus is the cornerstone and death couldn't overcome it, then no matter what you say, even if it means our life, then Jesus is who we place our trust in. And the church began to grow, and these, 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 these Jesus followers, the, the, um, this ecclesia began to meet in homes. The more they were persecuted, the more they met. The more they spoke about Jesus and about his love, and people's lives began to change. And it didn't just stay in Jerusalem. It began to spread from home to home to home to home. It began to move because the ecclesia is living. It was never a location, but it was living, it was moving. It never stopped. And the, the, the more that the government, the more that the, those in power tried to stop it, it kept moving. It kept moving. It kept, here's a plan, but GPS kept, God kept moving this way. And they go this way, we didn't see what's going on. But it, it, it could never be stopped. But here's the thing. Around 313 AD, the soon-to-be emperor Constantine legalized Christianity. He legalized it. It was like a real breakthrough. They were persecuted wherever they, where they came, but now they're being legal. He became the very first Roman emperor to become Christian, became the very first Christian Roman emperor. And for, and for centuries that followed that time, the church became institutionalized. That's a big word for me, institutionalized. I, I just say it really fast so I don't hear the nuances of, of how I say it. Institutionalized, right? As Christianity became the religion of the Roman elite, meaning they come... Many people come to know, and then they began to build with their influence and with, and with their wealth. They began to, to um, construct huge buildings where they began to honor God, and, and we've got these amazing cathedrals. They're, they're just, you see them, and, and, and whole cities and towns were built around them. It was, it was amazing. It was, it was moving. But here's the thing. The ecclesia ceased. It ceased being people. It ceased being people moving from place to place to place using, their, using their, their, their gifts to bless, and it came about a location. It came about the location. And it all became about like, hey, we've got to go to the building. We've got to go to this place. In fact, it, it, it became known, the word church became known as, by a German term, which means Kirche. Kirche, this German term. And Kirche means house of the Lord, referring to a ritual gathering place. So it went from being called the ecclesia to a kirsha. Went from being the called out ones or gathering of people, a movement, something that living and moving, to a building, to a house. And think about it. These words kind of fall into our vocabulary, doesn't it? Welcome to the house of God. Hey, thank you, Lord, for coming to this house. And we go, wait a minute. Is, then, wait, aren't we the temple of God? Wait, aren't we, aren't me and you together, aren't we the temple of God? Aren't we the community? Aren't we the temple of God? Hey, welcome to the house of God. Because wait, aren't we? Don't we house the Holy Spirit? And it became, became the curse of this place, this building. This place where everyone gathering and the, and the ecclesia ceased. And it became, never came about a people with distinct purposes and gifts who went on from place to place. It became just place. And everyone gathers. You come here. You, don't worry about going to each other. Just gather here. And they, they began to gather. And this is where this kirsha, the German term kirsha, and the Greek term ecclesia refer to very different ideas. Different ideas. A kirsha is a location, and ecclesia is a purposeful gathering of people, a movement. A movement. So, what did the early church look like? What did it, what did it look like? Acts chapter 2, verse 46. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, 
They receive their food with glad and generous hearts. And let me tell you, I always receive my food with glad and generous hearts. <laughs> Praising God and having favor with all the people. And get this. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. See, the early church were Jews. Early church were Jews. What they would do, that on the Sabbath, they would all go to the temple, go to the synagogue. Because it's the Sabbath. Sabbath is sundown Friday to sundown Saturday. They would go, they will go to the synagogue. But then on the Sunday, they would gather in their homes and believers. Because it was the Lord's Day. Sunday was the Lord's Day. Sunday was the day that Jesus rose from the dead. So they would gather in people's homes and they would have meals together. They would break bread together. And they called these meals love feasts. They will gather. So, and this is what they'll do. They'll go to the synagogue on the Saturday. And then on the Sunday, they're gathering together. And as the gospel began to spread from, from place to place, it, it, it spread out of Jerusalem, went to the Jews and other, and, and Rome, went to the Jews and, and living in different provinces. And, but it didn't just stop there. And the word kept spreading amongst Gentiles. Gentiles come to know Jesus as the Lord and Savior. Now, the Gentiles didn't go to the synagogue, but they kept meeting on a Sunday because this was their practice where they met in each other's homes. And the more they were persecuted, they keep meeting. They keep meeting. They try to, hey, you've got to stop. You've got to worship Caesar. We aren't worshiping Caesar. We're worshiping Jesus. And they kept meeting in homes, breaking bread over a meal, over this love feast, praying for one another in their homes. And, and this is what the early church did. They spread amongst all, all believers in their home because it was an ecclesia, it wasn't a kersher. And, and as I began to ponder on this and, and cry out to God, to Lord, why, why are we going back to online services? And I just really felt God say to me, you know, have, have you forgotten your roots? Have you forgotten where, where we come from? God's not surprised. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 to 25. Let us think of ways to motivate one, one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together. And we kind of think, oh yeah, it's all about coming to church on Sunday. But this was actually about in homes. Coming in our homes. Let's not neglect meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. See, the writer of Hebrews understood that, that this life that God has called us to is more than just a good sermon, as hard as I prepare one, as, as hard as I try to communicate it. See, when we, the church is more than just a good sermon. It's more than just amazing worship. I, I enjoyed it today. The church is more than that. The church is a community community of believers. It's not about a building, but it's about people. Called out ones. Jesus has called you out. And he said, upon this rock, upon me, I am the cornerstone. And I am building my church. Death can't stop it. The government can't stop it. Traffic light framework can't stop it. You can lock the doors of a church building. You can lock the doors of a kersher. You can lock these doors in this building, but you cannot. You cannot lock the doors of an ecclesia. You cannot lock the doors of the church because it's living. It's alive. The church doors are not closed. You cannot close the, door, the church doors. And I'm talking about a building. I'm talking about a movement of people called by Jesus for such a time as this. There are people in your neighborhood. There are people in your workplace. There are people in your places of education who are crying out for love and hope 
and they're grabbing at all sorts of things that they can find, whether it's drugs, whether it's alcohol, where, where it's a, relate, uh, a relationship based upon, uh, upon someone who's just abusing them and they just can't get over. They're looking for it. When the hope of the world is living right next door, when the hope of the world is someone who works with them at their workplace, Jesus says, I'm building my church. It's not a building, but it's people. We belong to one another. You know, when we first moved to Hamilton, I'm landing, finally landing this plane. Especially when the band comes up, they remind me, hey, remember, people got other things to do. We first moved to Hamilton. We had no friends here. We knew nobody. We're just running away. You know, best place to run is somewhere where you can't find anybody that you know. Run away from God. Let's go to Hamilton. Best, furthest place from God we can go. <laughs> but, you know, God had other plans. See, we were broken. We were in a bad place. Financially, we were wrecked. Anybody been financially wrecked? And then we discovered Elam. (laughs) What could have been the most destructive season in our life became the most fruitful. The way that God changed our thinking was through a new network. Changed the way we thought. He surrounded us with people who built us up, who encouraged us. But did you know that almost never happened? And the reason why it almost never happened is because of my insecurities. Because although God had led us to Elam, although God had restored our hearts, brought us back to Him, I still had my insecurities. And we turned up to church the second week after being saved. I said to Paul, this is our last time here. You got to understand, as a white person who grew up in a brown family, a white person who went to a brown church, who went to a brown school, who was brought up in a brown community. I made a decision. I'm going to reject everything that's white about me so that I can feel more accepted. Do you hear what I say? So I can feel more accepted. Even though they accepted me, I felt like I wasn't accepted. So I rejected it. And I tried to be more brown, even though my skin said something else. So we turned up and said, thank you, God, you set us free. And we turned up to Elam. Elam was the place. But I was like, I, I just, no, man, this isn't us. I don't feel comfortable. I was using words like that. And we're on our way out for the last time. And we're stopped at the door by this man by the name of Brian Hooker. And he stopped me and he said, hey, would you like to come home for lunch? And I said, hey, I'm from a brown community. Lunch is my magic word. So we rocked up to his house. I'm thinking, I'm just coming to eat. And that's it. But you let me tell you something. That is where God began to rock my world and began to, all my anxieties, and began to, over a meal, we turned back, we came back to Elam again. God was still healing my heart and worship in all parts. And let me tell you something. I realized that God, as my time, I was meant to come here. I was meant to be because this is where I found who I really was. I was fully white and fully brown. I was both. And this is where I began to embrace who I was. But it wasn't until I got into a home with people who loved me. Not because of what I did. Just because of who I am. 
as I begin to hold this together. God knew what he was doing when he brought us here. Broke down all my insecurities. Well, I still got insecurities, but he broke down insecurities. Making me accept who I am. I wonder. Maybe there are some new people that God needs you to bring into your life. You might be thinking, well, I don't need to do that. I I know who I am. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking there are people who need you. Do you ever wonder if people need you? You think, well, I'm all good. I'm secure. I know who I am in God. Let me tell you something. There are people like me who need you. There are people like me who who are trying to fight who, who I am. I don't understand, but there are people like me who need you. They need you more than any other, other time. And this is a season of the house church. And I believe God is again raising up his church. I don't understand. Because I just think, I just honestly still feel it's all kind of wrong. But I've just got to trust. GPS has moved me this way. I want to go here. It's this way. But can we? Can we as a church? Come on. So what we're looking for, we're looking for people who are willing to be a house church. Oh, you don't have to be. Please don't. don't I'm not trying to force. Don't, don't try to let my words. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you. Please. Please. Don't let me persuade you. Don't let me, because of my words, or move you. Please let the Holy Spirit move you. I can't transform you. I'm just a signpost to point you this way. God does all the transformation. I'm just a signpost. That's all I am. Nothing more, nothing less. I'm just a signpost. Trusting, hoping, believing, just like you. So what is, what's it going to look like? We're looking at having some organ, some vaccine pass house churches, some open. In order to go to go to one of these, you've got to, be, you've got to register to go. The reason why we say register, it's just so that the person who's hosting it knows someone's actually going to turn up. Also means that if, if, um, you, you want to, if you've got immune compromised people, they can come and know that they can be safe. And if you have an open and you're like, you know what, someone needs to reach out to those on that side, so I'm, I'm willing to do that as well. Come on, this is what we've got to do. And you know, if you don't want to do any of that, just don't do that. That's all good. You can just run one anyway. It doesn't matter. Just run one. Or maybe you just want to just stay home. That's all good. Please. I'm just a signpost. That's all I am. <laughs> Come on. It's time to get connected. It's time to get unstuck. We are better together. That's why Jesus has called you for a specific purpose, to love God and love people. Why? Because we belong to one another.